When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello welcome to the Everything Is Black and White podcast. It's the first episode of 2024. We hope you've had a wonderful Christmas and a smashing New Year, even despite Newcastle's awful festive form. It is the Money Show on a Tuesday. I'm Andrew Musgrove, and we're kicking off the New Year with a very special treat. You don't have to put up with Aaron Stokes today. No, you don't have to hear him telling you that Newcastle don't need a third striker. Instead, you have to listen to Newcastle's fans TV. Sam Mulner telling you that. We'll look back on the defeat to Liverpool and the week to come. As that FA Cup tie with Sunderland is next on the agenda. Please give the podcast a follow and a share. Let's get on with the show. Now, before I bring Sam into the studio, I just want to thank you all for listening throughout 2023. We had a record-breaking year with 1.4 million downloads through our audio channel and tens of thousands more across our YouTube channel and social media pages. So thank you so much. We love doing this. And we couldn't do it without you guys. And we really do appreciate the support. And if you're listening on the podcast channel, I'm asking you guys to kickstart the air in good spirits. Please, if you haven't already done so, leave us a rating and review. This helps us helps us to grow the audience and is really crucial to sustaining what we do. I'm going to welcome Sam into the studio now. And just to re-emphasize the point about leaving ratings and reviews on the podcast channel. I just want to read out the latest one that we got. So the title of this review is Sam the Man. This was on the 11th of December, 2023. Love it when Sam guests on the podcast. Always makes for a great show. Brilliant opinions with knowledge and humor. And then it was back in July, 2023, when there was another one. Brilliant to hear more of Sam on the podcast. Such quick, dry wit is a welcome addition to an already fab Newcastle United podcast. So my question to you, Sam, is before I ask you about your Christmas and your New Year, have you got your wife to write those? I, I, I don't do well with praise. So let, let uh, um, yeah, thank, thank you to whoever left them. Um, I, I, I don't do well with praise. It's easy to respond to people slagging you off, um, which I'm sure there's plenty of them kind of reviews as well. But no, that's that's always nice. Um, Happy New Year, though. Happy New Year, everyone. I wish it started um, better and I wish 2023 ended better. But um, of course, you are the Chronicle Christmas champion, Mr. Musgrove. So I, I suspect that's that's made your made your Christmas. As it has, and I mean, it was my little one's first Christmas, which I'm sure, as you will know, uh, Sam, having some little ones of your own, it's it's the best thing ever, isn't it? So we had a we had a wonderful Christmas, 
cracking new year despite Newcastle's form. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping you had a, a good one too with family and friends. Yeah, yeah, you know, well, yeah, kids just absolutely feral um, and high on sugar and presents. But uh, yeah, it, it's great. It's great. So, see, this is it. No, we've got comments now. Sam's okay, but a bit miserable. So I, I, I can do, I can cope with that. I can cope yeah. with that. I'm taking it. It wasn't Ian who wrote one of those two reviews that I, that I read out just uh, before. Um, keep your comments oh, coming yeah. in if you are watching live. Hit subscribe. Give the video a thumbs up on YouTube as well. We love interacting with you guys in the moment. We're going to bring the mood down even further. I mean, I did write that line there about bringing the mood down because I assume you were going to say, say you had the best Christmas ever, Sam, but it was a little bit... Uh, Feral, as you've just said there, but let's bring the mood down even further because Newcastle United have lost again. Five defeats in the league out of the last six. You took in the Champions League and League Cup. It makes for even worse numbers. Uh, another defeat on the road as well. The seventh defeat in the last 10 away games. The fifth consecutive loss on the road. I suppose if we try and start with a positive though, there was at least a bit more fight against Liverpool than there was against Luton and Forest. but that's all I'm getting. Yeah, um... Do you know what? I'm not angry at all. This is this is this is the thing. I'm not. Um, there's a lot of emotions, um, but anger isn't anger isn't one of them. Um, I just it's Saturday is everything. As it, as if the, the the first time we're derby in how many years couldn't get any bigger. It it is huge, and it is huge for so many reasons. Does Eddie Howe's Newcastle United future hang in the balance? I really hope not. But with them stats you've you've said there, how many managers can survive that? Um, there's kind of a few down the years. And I don't think for one minute Amanda and Murdad and Jamie Rubin and whatnot want to, want to sack Eddie Howe. Um, but if the call comes from Yasser, he has the final say, I'm guessing, with his 80%, and uh, they have to do what uh, what they're told, essentially. But no one deserves more time than than, than Eddie Howe. Um, two years of just absolute, just allowing us to dream again, and just they've given us such special memories in 2023 alone. Um, it's just such a shame how it's going at the moment that the... the the defeats against Luton and Forest were absolutely appalling. Um, last night, it is what it is. Um, even with a fully, when things are going great and a full strength team, you'd struggle to get anything at Anfield. Um, but yeah, the way it went down, they still needed two dodgy penalties to 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 beat us. I know Dubravka saved one, who was back to his best last night. Um, but yeah, defensive frailties, a lack of. Um, I wouldn't say a lack of squad management, but his hands are tied with with the injuries. But I mean, Wilson's again uh, injured, missing the next two games. Huge, huge loss. He was asking for trouble. He's come straight back from injury, and he's played every game, nearly ninety minutes every game, and he can't do that at the best of times, let alone when he's just come back from months out injured. So it's, it was asking for trouble and it's, it keeps biting us on the backside. So it's, it's going really badly at the minute. And I hope Eddie Howe can pull us through because I don't want him to go. I want him. And I think this is the general consensus. I want him to fix things. I want him to get it right. 
I want him to prove why he is uh, the man to take us forward and the man to um, to win us win us something. Um, but I'd love to know what what the owners are thinking at the moment. Uh, I'd love to be a fly on the wall um, with transfer plans this month and and with the the general attitude, the the kind of thing in the back of everyone's mind is Dan Ashworth going to Manchester United what's going on there and and what do they want to do, how much can they back Eddie Howe this month um, because if we don't get a result on Saturday going into Man City and Aston Villa away it, it's not going to be looking very rosy at all No, and there's a lot to get into because what we did want to see, Sam, was a bit more fight because, as you said there, the Luton and, and Forest performances were were absolutely shocking. And I think, despite the fact we saw a little bit more desire from Newcastle against Liverpool, we, we can't hide away from the fact that it was another shocking performance defensively. They were cut open time and time again. And you've said there, despite everything, they still needed two dodgy penalties um, or, or obviously only scored one to, 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 to beat Newcastle. But, they were so open. And anyhow, actually said after the game, he didn't feel Newcastle that open. That's despite the record uh, expected goal stat. And I hate that stat, by the way, but it shows you the dominance that Liverpool had. I totally disagree with how. I thought Newcastle defensively were all over the shop. Too much space. The midfield again. They can't handle the, the, the counter. They can't handle the transition. It's It's worrying. It really is worrying because I think the issue is, this isn't just the last three or four weeks or the last three or four games. This has been going on for a long time. And what we're now seeing is teams that Newcastle should be beating on paper, getting the better of them, making sure that they take advantage of the defensive mishaps, of the fact that the midfield three pushed far too high and can't get back. And we're seeing Newcastle get thumped by the so-called better teams. I don't know what the what the remedy is. Yeah, the defensive frailties have, have been a, an issue for a while. Um, and there's no excuses for them, really. Throughout the um, throughout the last few weeks, we've, we've had our, you know, our first choice back four playing. Um, and to under really underpin just how bad it's been, Richarlison has scored twice against us. Chris Wood has scored a hat-trick against us. That's ridiculously poor. And completely inept. Um, that should never be happening in a month of Sundays. The problem is, I mean, Botman's just come back from from a serious injury, which the quotes from him that came out yesterday was absolutely alarming. Um, it's no wonder the physio was left. Um, what, we, what we will say there, I'm just going to jump in there and say we don't know if those two things are, are connected. Now, Botman has come out and said he's played through... Um, an ACL injury, played two games despite the fact he's, he's done his ACL. And then separately, the, the head of the medical staff or the, the physio has, has left. We, do, we, have to, we have to say we don't know if they're linked. We, you know, they don't, could, don't, don't say, don't try and save me from a liable, liable lawsuit. I've just stated facts. It was an alarming quote from Botman and, and the physio was left, which is. We, which is we, peculiar timing, anyway. You have yes, Derek. We Ryan don't know they're connected. I'm just going to reaffirm. I'm just going to reaffirm. We don't know they're connected um, at all. But yes, I get the point about about Botman. I think though, you, you're right. You look. You've got uh, players come back from injuries. 
there's, there's players across the board, Sam, who you could question, are they match fit? Longstaff's another one, Dan Byrne, Botman, and then the players who are who haven't been injured are, are tired. So that's all rolling into one. I do question, though, whether starting Dan Byrne yesterday was the right decision because, bless him, look, he's been fantastic for Newcastle and we, we both have, have gone on record on saying every time we think he's going to have a, a bad game or, be, or he's going to come out of the side, he seems to pull his socks up and, and put in a, a massive performance. Did that in the early part of the season, did it last season. Tremendous from Dan Byrne. Did it in the first half last last night. You think? First, first half, he was very, very good. Second I mean, that first that local. first goal that Newcastle conceded, though, I mean, what he was doing, he follows Diaz. He's basically then standing beside Livramento on Newcastle's right, which then leaves Salah free on the left. That is schoolboy. It is criminal defending. And like, I'm not going to scapegoat Dan Byrne, just like I'm mm-hmm. not going to scape Miguel Almiron because it's a collective issue across the board. But by goodness me, that was a shocking piece of defending. You cannot leave a man of Salah's capability that much time and space because he's going to do exactly what he did and, and, and pop, it, pop it in the back of the net. Yeah, and that was in the second half. First half, Byrne was very good. Second half, he was appalling and, and was at fault for the first goal. But like you say, a collective unit, sixes and sevens absolutely all over the place. Were it not for Dubravka, we could, it could have been... <laughs> It, it could have been an absolute massacre. Um, it, it really could have. Um, could have, should I say. Um, it's a tricky one because there's so many players playing under par, so many players that look knackered. I think Gordon's been off the boil for a good few weeks. He looks he looks dead on his feet. Um, I mean, th- this guy this time last year wasn't fit at all. And then come back, Full, fully fit and raring to go, fantastic in the early part of the season. But he's not been given a rest through any of this, and that and doesn't he, help. He Dan Byrne, does it? Shot to pieces now. Um, I was just saying that did that, that doesn't no, help. Dan um, but he was on the. Um... No, it doesn't help Dan Byrne. But Gordon was on the right for the first half when Byrne was doing okay. Then, then the switch happened when. Um, when Joe Linton got moved in the midfield and Almiron got brought on. Um, I do want to talk to you about Almiron, actually, because I know you're his biggest fan, but surely you cannot defend his performances from the past few weeks. No, I can't at all. I do feel he's been scapegoated, though. I think I wouldn't have played him at all yesterday. I wouldn't have had him even in the squad despite the injuries because he was he was one pass away from being criticised in the way he has done. He was one bad decision away from from the reaction on social media going into overdrive, as it has done. And I just think he needs protecting. He needs taken out of the line for, for one or two games just to get his mind right. You can tell he's trying too hard, and I don't think that's I don't think that's helping his judgment. He's been criticised for firing over last night. I mean, straight away people on his back. But you look at Anthony Gordon, especially in that second half. He was barely walking, you know. He was making, other than the cross, he was making some bad decisions himself. If Miguel Almiron had played in the same fashion Gordon had, I, I, I dread to think what the reaction would have been. So, no, I'm not going to defend Almiron. He has made some questionable decisions in, in recent games, but I do think the reaction has been slightly over the top. 
And I, I do think it's I do think it's unfair, you know. And, I, and while you can criticise him for some of the decisions being made, the personal abuse he's receiving is totally out of line, one hundred percent out of line. These are players who are playing for this club. Almiron, okay, he hasn't scored enough goals, he doesn't assist enough. I get it, but you can never doubt his commitment and effort to the badge. And is that good enough for where Newcastle want to go in the long term? No, because you need a winger who scores goals and creates more chances. But let's not be throwing a personal abuse at the players who are playing for this great club. You know, we all want the same thing, whether you're a journalist, fan or player. You want success on the pitch. And I think some of the reaction, especially that those that has been personal, has been has been way over the top. Yeah, I, I, personal abuse is never right. And it's just stay, stay clear from it completely. I'll just look at what's been happening on the pitch. And... With Almiron, we know he blows hot and cold. Um, when he's good, he's ridiculously good. I, th- I thought his last big performance was in Paris. Since then, I think he's been absolutely appalling. And, and from that, I was thinking back to, to the start of the season. And I thought at the end of the transfer window in the summer, I, I, I felt that we'd left ourselves um, a centre-back and a winger short. Um, and and I think that's been exacerbated by uh, this latest run of performances. Um, and I still think we signed the wrong player. We should we should have signed Diaby and not Harvey Barnes. Um, I know you, I, I'm not criticising Harvey Barnes because you can't really judge him because of his injury, which is just bizarre. I've never known anyone be out so long with a toe problem before. Um, but it is what it is, and uh, yeah. I look at uh, I look at Diaby flying at Villa longingly. Um, I've got to be honest. Um, I, th- I think I think we made a mistake there, but um, all that stuff should have, would have, could have. Obviously, you could never predict the issues with Tonali, um, and and the whole FFP situation is going to become so frustrating this month. So frustrating because I don't think there's a lot we can do. No, I, I agree. I think the fact that you've just named two positions there, which you think Newcastle left themselves short in the summer, and I could name you another two, i.e. number six and a, and a third striker, which I think Newcastle left themselves short in the summer. And I'm guessing you guys listening and watching could do the same as well. It shows you maybe that Newcastle didn't have the best uh, summer window. Of course, we're dealing in hindsight here, and it shows you where they need to add this January. But you mentioned the issues with FFP. And how much Newcastle have got to spend, you know, from people you talk to, it doesn't appear they're going to have too much money to spend. It might only, if you uh, believe certain reports, only be a loan deal this January. Is that going to be Calvin Phillips? Only a loan deal would be disastrous for Newcastle United. But are their hands tied that much by FFP that that's all they can do? You know, if we get to February... You need Harvey Barnes back. You need Elliot Anderson back. But if they've only bought in a defensive midfielder, they're still short. Yeah. Um, I didn't think we left ourselves short in midfield um, <clears throat> from a defensive midfield point of view. Um, look, you know how much of a fan I've, I've been of Tonali down the years. And I, I did kind of assume, whilst I know full well he's a lot more than someone who can just sit in front of a back four, I, I thought that's where we'd play him. I, I'm not going to lie. I thought that's where he would be played and that Bruno would go back to the right hand of the three, um, which is where he played when he first signed for us. Um, 
cast your minds back, it was John Joe Shelby who was sat in front of the back four, um, pinging balls around. Bruno was right under the three and playing very, very well. Um, I wanted to see us go for a more attacking centre mid like Zabaslai. I thought we should have coughed up for him. Um, but again, I, financial constraints, I don't know. I'm not in charge of the checkbook, so I don't know. I don't know how much we really had to play with. Um, I, I've never been a fan of bringing Calvin Phillips in. Um, it's, it's just a case of needs must, I suppose. Um, it's short-term fixes that it's going to be, which is the worst thing you could go into a January window needing because everyone knows your issues and everyone's going to make you pay through the roof and try and really take advantage of you. Hence why... I think City wanted uh, 7.5 million for a six-month loan deal. Um, I, I just don't get it. I don't see it. Um, and that, that, that scan is considering um, that he's probably going to need a month to get up to scratch as well. And then you, you think if he does mm-hmm. bring in Calvin Phillips, does he have to change the system? And that'll take another few weeks to get implemented. So... You know, there's, there's big questions. I'm not a fan of it. As I always say, though, you do back the, the transfer team because they've got very little wrong. But I do feel you bring Calvin Phillips in and he, he's not going to be ready straight off the bat. And we're already we're already talking about players being match fit. Is Longstaff match fit? Is Dan Byrne match fit? And we're already coming to the conclusion that they're not. Calvin Phillips can't be match fit at all. So <laughs> that one, I, 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 don't, I don't subscribe to, but that probably looks like the, the most likely one. And... We've said that we've got the financial fair play constraints, but I'll ask you the question anyway. Have you changed your mind yet on your castle needing the third striker, given that Callum Wilson is set to miss the next two games? Given what's gone on previously, I take that, and you, you could read between the lines, and, and if he's back within two games, I might be a little bit surprised. But do they need a third striker? I think there's a big, big argument for selling, Cal, uh, for selling Callum Wilson in the summer. 31, 31 years of age, going on 32 with his injury record. I think we can get a decent fee for him. I mean, don't get me wrong, if he stays fit, he's a 20-goal season striker every every season and he's brilliant. Love him to bits, but where's, where's your cut-off point? It's getting to that point now where it, it, his fitness is becoming a liability. And it's only going to get worse as he gets older. Um it's it's not going to get any better. Um, I maintain that that we need another winger, and then Gordon can still be utilised better as a third striker. I'd love to for us to go and get um, Takakubo from Sociedad to put him on the right wing. Um, I know people want to see Elise, but I, I can't. I don't think that's realistic. Um, I, I I think in the summer there is a big there's a big argument coming about. Um, selling Callum Wilson and buying a, a, a another out and out straight replacement for him. But I mean it's it's gutting because Callum Wilson's been immense, but like I say, he, he's missed so many games. And it's I think there's there's a, a kind of fine line you need to toe with sentimentality and um realism and go in to achieve what we need to do, to do to get to take us to that next level, because this season is 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 a week away from becoming a write off if we don't get a result on Saturday. The season's a write off. We're not getting top four. 
we're going to be in a scrap for Conference League with the likes of West Ham, Brighton, Man United um, to, to be scrapping to stay in Europa or Europa Conference. I think if we can qualify for Europe this season, that's still a job well done, considering everything. But if we don't qualify for Europe, you have to say that the season's been a bit of a failure. Interesting. Let me know in the comments what you guys think uh, about that uh, statement from Sam and, and what you would do with Callum Wilson as well. Would you, would you look to move him on in the summer as Sam says he would do? Um, hello to Roger and Les, regular viewers of the podcast on YouTube. Let's jump into uh, some of the comments. Got plenty coming in. Um, Mark says, if we even consider sacking how we become the same entitled fans that we criticise, uh, Sidiok says we should be ashamed even talking about Eddie Howe's position. Uh, Les says, agree with Sam regarding Eddie being the man for us. We've got uh, Ian saying, I thought Big Dan Byrne and Almiron have been awful in this run of defeats and both need taken out of the team. Callum says, uh, we need a new striker. Uh, Gaz says, last season we overachieved ahead of the schedule. This season is more of a benchmark to where we are as a team, and quite a few people talking about the, the sentimentality that they think Eddie Howe has. And I want to go back to the left back situation with Dan Byrne. Now, it's only recently that Eddie Howe has had the opportunity to play the same back four that served him so well last season, obviously, without Nick Pope as the fifth because of that injury. But was it a mistake to play Dan Byrne last night? And, and is it now time for Lewis Hall to get more time? Um, obviously, in an ideal world, you'd have Trippier fit and Livermento left back. But even then, people would say, well, why didn't Emil Kraft start a right back and Livermento left back? Is it time that Dan Byrne comes out of the side altogether, do you think? Possibly. I mean, it's easy to say that in hindsight. Um, it's... It's one of them as well because he had the captain's armband too. I suppose he wanted some leaders on the pitch, which obviously no Trippier, no Lascelles, no Burn. What are you what are you left with? Um, I mean, Lewis Hall should have been given more minutes than what he has been given. Um, that I don't really, I don't really understand. Even you could utilize him out on the wing further forward. Um, it, it's a tricky one, it's just a mess because you just can't get any consistency going because the, the injuries have been relentless. It seems like um it it, it seems it's it, it it's so tricky because yes, we are still ahead of schedule and we did overachieve last season, but <sighs> Some of these results haven't been good enough and some of these performances haven't been good enough. And yes, the injuries have been absolutely relentless. But players have been... It, it seems like they've been out... It, it seems like they've been taking forever to heal from like... Eddie Howell say, well, well, we don't think it's serious. But then he's out for two months. And then they're, they're having to be chucked in straight away again. And it's it's just a recurring ever-decreasing circle of absolute horror because the same players are then getting injured again. But that then makes you wonder why the likes of Lewis Hall hasn't been utilised because we know he's versatile. He can play left-back, he can play left-wing, he can play centre-mid. Um, I mean, thank goodness for Lewis Miley, otherwise 
things would have been really bad. Um, that that kid's done absolutely immense, and whatever happens for the rest of this season, like that will always be probably the biggest positive we can take, is that we've got an absolute superstar in our hands in midfield in, in Lewis Miley. But they just it just needs to get a run of of games where the key players are back. He's able to to take a few off, come 60, 70 minutes and have capable replacements off the bench, but it's just it's just not it's just not happening. It's it's just one of them where you're damned if you do and damned if you don't. Which is why yeah, which is why I don't want Eddie Howe to, to get the boot or whatever, because it's it's been yes, you can say well it's only been six extra games, look at all the fuss that's being made, but the way we play and that intensity, which is, which has had to have gone, it, it's gone. The 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 game management, the s housery that we had last season, is just gone because of the the tempo is just unsustainable um, with these injuries. <coughs> with, with that in mind, it's, let's say you get to the next month, you're into February, um, and everyone's coming back fit. Kieran Trippier's back. Do you then play a Dan Byrne left back ahead of Tino Livermento and Livermento stays out on the on the on the bench? I mean, for me, everyone fit and raring to go. I think Tino Livermento walks into that 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 left back slot until Newcastle maybe go out and sign another left back in in the summer. Yeah, left back's proven to be a um, proven to be one because obviously Matty Target's got a bad injury as well. Um, for me, Livermento has to stay in the team. He's he's been again one of the the few plus points of the season as a whole. His performances have been magnificent. Um, on the whole, anyway, there's there've been a few. I don't think last night was his um, finest hour, but still, I don't think it was for many on the pitch in black and white last night. But yeah, yes, he he's earned the right to stay in the team. He's earned it, um, and that's the way when Eddie Howe first got. Uh, appointed as Newcastle manager, you've earned the shirt. You keep it. It doesn't doesn't matter who the supposed first choice was. Um, he he kept players in so long as they were performing, and that seems to have been um, missing of late. Uh, yeah, he was very unlucky to be dropped um, for Dan Byrne. But. Like you say, did he need a rest? Who knows? <laughs> we don't know. They, there's so many plays that could arguably be running on empty that we don't know. Because, um, again, like I say, we're, we're not finishing these games out. After 60, 70 minutes, we look like we're hitting a wall and, and the intensity has completely come out of our play. The pressing game has completely come out of our play. The, the kind of attitude we had last season, um, you know, chest out and... Um, Really, kind of bossing the the kind of mood of the game, like s housery is what I'm getting at. Um, that that's all kind of disappeared. So the attitude shift has clearly taken its toll on the players and 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 the manager as well. It's bound to, but he's you know he's keeping his dignity about things. Um, I, I mean, I, I can't stand his opposite number from last night, but. <clears throat> whatever you got to do. Um, but yeah, he, he's keeping his composure, he's keeping his dignity. And I just hope, um, I hope amongst hope that uh, he can find a way to A, get us a win on Saturday and, and get us back on track in the Premier League. 
Well, it's a big month for them, isn't it? I mean, only three games in January, so they've not had much time on the training pitch. This is what this month's going to provide. It's going to provide time, hopefully a few more bodies back, hopefully at least one addition in the market. It's hopefully going to find the solution. Um, but the big, the big issue is the fact that the midfield are so vulnerable when they're being countered against. What is the remedy? Does that come from the next two, three weeks being able to actually spend more and more time on the training pitch? Then you throw in Calvin Phillips and you throw in, I don't know, maybe Ali Anderson returning as well to give another option, Joe Willick perhaps in midfield. Is it is the solution there within Eddie Howe's grasp, do you think? And you come to February, Luton, Bournemouth, and you think, you hope it should be solved by then? I don't know. Have we have we just been found out? Have, have we been found out the way that we played? Have we been have we been have teams worked us out and how to get the better of us? I said I am on a podcast uh, a few weeks back with you that we struggle against teams that play four two three one. Notts Forest played four two three one, and look at the space they had swamping our midfield. Um, <clears throat> I think there might be a case of us just being found out. Um, Next season, do we stay with four three three? I'm not so sure. Does Guardiola play the same system he did when he first joined Manchester City? No, they don't. They they've had to change things up and keep it fresh and look for new ways to 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 stay the best. Obviously, their budget helps and uh, the quality of players they have helped uh, and the head start they had helped pre FFP. Hmm. Uh, but I don't know. A change the system possibly the, the, I don't think there is a quick fix but like you say with Phillips I mean he played, he's played 89 minutes of Premier League football all season um, in the Carabao Cup he played against us and he was absolutely woeful woeful so I don't think he's going to be able to come in and hit the ground running but if you're letting players go out on loan, which is apparently what we're targeting, we're, we're going into the loan market. Teams aren't going to loan you players that have been fully fit and firing, are they? The, the fact is you, you're getting another team's dregs and ones that aren't raring to go and are going to hit the ground running. So the, the one good thing, I think, this month with, with so few games now is Eddie Howe can do what he's what he's best at and get the team on the training ground and working at these things. He's He's been open and candid enough to say we haven't been training when we've been playing every three days because it's just been about recovery and going again because of the lack of rotation, because of the injury crisis. But now he can get the squad back on the training ground, which is where he's at his best, and hopefully can find a solution to it on there and... Uh, We'll see. Uh, we'll we'll get that intensity back in the in the performance, but um, it's not. It's not. It's not. All is not lost. There's still some flashes of brilliance. I mean, Isaac's goal last night was Henri esque and absolutely superb. Botman's header was great as well. Um, yeah, it's it's just one of them where it's just been an absolute nightmare of a season where everything that could go wrong has gone wrong. Hmm. And I agree that there are some positives to, to be had. I mean, you mentioned the exact goal. Lewis Miley, I thought, was was fantastic again. But any positives that we, we, we find seem to be outweighed by the negatives. I mean, the midfield issue is accelerated by the fact 
that Newcastle have become very careless in possession. Bruno giving the ball away with silly passes. Longstaff again looking like he's he he just doesn't know where to pass the ball. He's 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 become slow and and yes, you know the question is 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 he fully fit? But the issue is when you're against these top teams like Liverpool who are going to have the more of the ball. You know they're going to have. 70-80% possession and they're going to come wave after wave after wave. If when you get the ball, you're just giving it straight back to them. And I'm not just I'm not talking about when the ball's pumped into the box and you're just heading it clear. That's a clearance. I'm talking about when you've got your foot on the ball and you've got a chance to to hit hit them on the, the, the front foot. Too many balls last night just out of play to the opposition, not enough on them, lazy passes, the wrong decisions. And again, that's been a constant theme over the last few weeks. Can you just put that down to fatigue and tiredness? Or is there more to that? No, um, because it's been happening for a lot longer than a few weeks. Our composure has been woeful for, for months, um, which is why Lewis Miley looks so great, because he's probably the only midfielder that looks to have any composure. Um, and for a talent of that age um, to have a solid head on his shoulder and a proper football brain is absolutely priceless um, but yeah composure has been lacking um, for, for ages and ages and ages um, I think the first time I mentioned composure on Newcastle Fans TV was after the Dortmund home game um, which was that October and here we are now in January um, It's it, it's been a running theme for a while now um, Longstaff doesn't look comfortable on the left-hand side of the three uh, in midfield, which is where he's had to play a couple of times. Um, but yeah, when 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 things aren't going your way, and like like you say, Liverpool just came out of us in waves and waves and waves, and the and the the, the pressing and pressure they put on was relentless. Um, it, it's it, it. What can you do when you're down to the bare bone? I mean, no one could have predicted Tonali's uh, the Tonali fiasco, and he 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 would. I'm my word, how we've needed him, <laughs> how we've needed him over the past few months. It's just been infuriating. But no, no uh, one could have predicted it. But surely you've got to be better in possession with the ball. You've got to be able to at least pick a pass. For, yeah. to the player four or five yards away, haven't you? It's just not been good enough. And all you do. Is hand the advantage straight to the opposition because you're not giving yourself a moment's break. And I always felt last night that, you know, Newcastle were the directors of their own downfall, really, because they kept giving the ball away or they kept making the wrong decision. And and you saw for that jot apparently, Lewis Hall was down the left. And if Isaac had played the ball into him, he had the freedom down that left hand side to probably take a shot off or at least get the ball in the box. And Isaac held on to it three or four extra touches that he didn't need. He should just give him the ball up to the other end and there's a goal or a penalty. And, and it's those, it is those kind of decisions of late which are really starting to impact Newcastle where you can talk about the quality of the opposition. You can talk about the injuries Newcastle have got. But the bottom line is, you're a Premier League side, and if you're making those wrong decisions, if you're being careless in possession, you've only got yourself to blame when the outcome is a goal for the opposition. I wonder um, <clears throat> if Isaac's thinking maybe he's got to try and make something happen because the service he's received of late has just been shocking. Um, so maybe he thinks he's, he, 
he's not seeing lots of the ball, so he has to try and make something happen himself. And that's where the whole uh, holding on to it a bit too long, not picking out a pass where he should do, comes from, possibly. I mean, I'm not trying to be biased or anything, because I know you're fully aware of my love for Alexander Isaac, but the service he's had of late hasn't been good enough from from Gordon and Almiron. I mean, the best line of supply Isaac's had over the past few months is has been through Lewis Miley. <laughs> um, again, who is the only uh, midfielder that can show an ounce of composure on the ball of late. Um, so, yeah, it is an issue. It is an issue. Um, I think we're, we're too um, slow and clumbersome at times in midfield. Um, it, it's not. We don't seem to have the same amount of zip that we had and that comes down to intensity levels and fitness levels and lack of rotation it all boils down to the same thing um, an inability to rotate the team and an inability to keep things fresh because of you know double figures of injuries through pretty much the large part of the season I mean you can't I can't sit here and criticise Gordon because he's been one of the best players we've had this season but, but the last few weeks haven't been particularly brilliant from him um, but he still made a fantastic assist last night for, for Isaac so it, it's 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 one of them, it's a real double-edged sword uh, Graham says second half is a great example we play the ball to feet instead of playing behind the full back into space for Gordon to run onto and straight through, football brain is lacking that's all in the midfield he says, Roger uh, says in his opinion Bruno with long staff affects both in a more negative fashion, um, i.e. They, those two can't play together. So what would you make of that? Who can't play together? I'm reading Roger's comment there and I'm assuming he's making, he's, he's saying that Bruno with, he says Bruno with long staff affects both in a more negative fashion. Um, well, they did all right last season, didn't they? playing together for the, pretty much all of it. Um, I don't know. I think some players might just be a bit out of form. Um, things aren't clicking. Uh, it, there's there's no, there's no easy answer to it, unfortunately. Otherwise, I'd be a Premier League manager as well, um, <clears throat> which would just be embarrassing. But... Um, yeah, they can play together. It's just a case of should they be? Should they? I mean, in that engine room, you you want to kind of that's the real necessity of keeping things fresh and um, where your energy is coming from. So again, uh, was Longstaff rushed back from injury? Is 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 Bruno playing in his best position in the midfield? All right, we got away with it last season, but. I still have always throughout had that niggling thing in the back of my head thinking I would like to see him on the right-hand side of the three again. Um, that would maybe negate our need for another attacking midfielder and then you can bring in a number six. Dare I suggest Isaac Hayden gets another look in as a defensive midfielder. Has anyone considered that yet? I've considered it, but I've not said it out loud. I'm not going to. But they do need a defensive midfielder. They need someone who's a bit of an ankle biter, someone who can just sit and is disciplined. I think that's that's the issue. You, again, last night, if you watch back the highlights, you can pause the highlights 
in seven, eight, nine, ten uh, passages of play where Newcastle's midfield three are all about in Liverpool's box, if just on the edge of it. And it, you know what's coming next. And I think towards the end of last season, that became more apparent, but it was kind of painted over because Newcastle were clinical in attack. This season, they're lacking that clinical edge and they're getting found out time and time again. Forrest Luton and again, Liverpool. I mean, all goals came from really Newcastle being in, in quite a, a promising position and then they've conceded, um, you know, whether it be a penalty or, or, or what have you. And they've got to be, as we say, better in possession. And then when the chances come, be more clinical and make sure that they, they, they make the chances pay. Um, we've got loads of comments here coming in. Craig says, you are right to mention the formation. We've been found out in his opinion and we've become predictable. Um, we've got people talking about uh, Klopp saying they're not a fan. Um, why Iron Man says I'd play the cells ahead of Botman, as Botman's clearly not right yet. We've got John saying we haven't been found out. Our squad is just fatigued and we are unable to play at the same intensity. Don't be so negative, he says. So plenty of comments coming in. Thank you very much. Not negative, unfortunately. It's the, it's the real world um, and it's what's happening. I don't, you know, it's it's the fact and it's the situation that we're in. I'd love to be positive. Like, you know, I'm not here sat calling for Eddie Howe's head. That would be negative. I'm not sat here hoping that he sorts it out and that we can get back on track and start progressing again. But, you know, celebrate. Um. Let's talk about the penalty decisions. Um, the first one that was given, Dubravka saves. To me, not a penalty. The second one given for Liverpool, an absolute disgrace. Jota should be embarrassed um, for, for what, he, what he did. I'm not really sure why VAR haven't overturned it. People will say there's this slight contact, but it's, it's not enough for a penalty. And then he takes about seven days to go down. So VAR should be in the uh, the referee there ruling that one out and booking him for diving. And then we have Longstaff um, going down in the box. I didn't think it was a penalty in real time. I haven't watched back the the the, the highlights and the analysis, you know, the slow it down, the zoom in. You know, If you're given a penalty for either one of those Liverpool instances, incidents, then you're given a penalty for the Longstaff one, right? I didn't think any of them, any of the three were penalties. They just, they just weren't. I mean, when did football not become a contact sport anymore? I think it was some in the 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 mid noughties possibly. But like football is a contact sport. None of them were penalties. The Jota one is obviously the worst one of the three because that's an absolute disgrace. How you've got the technology to overturn such a blatant decision and refuse to do so. Um, absolute just incomprehensibly cretinous. For, uh, who was the VAR official last night to put you on the spot? I don't know. I don't know. And I'm trying my best not to have another rant about VAR because it was an absolute disgrace yet again. I'm not sure who it was, but whoever it was didn't do their job properly. And they will argue that, well, actually, the contact means the decision to a degree is correct. The referee's on-field decision is right. But surely fact that it's so minimal and then he takes four or five steps before going down. I mean, why I mean, why does if I was around Jurgen Klopp, I hope I'd, I'd be absolutely uh going at Jota for going down there. Why I was sorting him off. Yeah. 
I just subbed him off. Why are you turning down the chance to score a goal? It was an open net. Wouldn't have missed. You know, how how stupid do you have to be? Um, yeah, I, I don't understand it at all. Um, absolutely ridiculous. Um, I can't swear on here, so I can't really... I'll, I'll bite my lip somewhat. Um <sighs> I, I I just I just don't see the point. Like, because I I am a fan of the VAR. I, I I'm a fan of VAR. I'm a fan of the technology. What can't speak can't lie. Hmm. I'm I'm a fan of the technology. I'm a fan of goal line technology. I'm a fan of um, you know, video replays. But the people in charge of it are just absolute thick, and I don't know why. That's the most infuriating thing. I don't know why. Again, I would just say that Sam's use of the word thick and his opinion, please don't come after me um, or the podcast. But I agree that the people in charge are not using it correctly, in my opinion. Uh, the, the technology is brilliant. I'm all for it, but they have to start using it correctly. And it just wasn't wasn't used correctly there at all. Um, we've got you know people in the comments again talking a, a, about uh, VAR. Ian says Stuart Atwell was the, the VAR man last night. Uh, that that uh, explains a lot. Jordy says it's not VAR that's the problem, it's the people using it, and that seems to be um, the general consensus. Um, but again, no, we, we can we can hit out at VAR, Sam, but that attack from Liverpool kind of sums up Newcastle at the moment, doesn't it? Wrong decision in a forward uh, position for Newcastle, cut open too easily through the midfield, into the box. You know, these are these these are the three issues that are that need to be re- rectified over the next month. Well, do you know why that happened? It was because we were trying to find an equaliser. So I, I kind of yes, it was like a hot knife through butter the way we were split open, um, but I don't I don't mind it too much, and I, I had the same attitude as when we conceded the second at Milan. And I still don't know how we lost that game um, because the Milan at home game bugs me so, so much. Um, but we were trying to win the game. And how many years have we just played for draws or played, you know, not to get beat too badly? We're playing to win and we were trying to win the game. And, you know, we got caught out um, on another day that penalty doesn't get given and Jota gets booked for diving. Um, on another day, he just scores and makes it 4-2 anyway. Um, but <clears throat> it is, you know, we're trying to win the game. How that's 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 his way. I don't mind it. Um, it's just... I'm going to have to disagree with you there. I, I get the sentiment that, that you're putting out, but I, I, I just think when you're as tired as you are and you're against a team like Liverpool you still have to be a little bit disciplined. The discipline lacked against Milan and it cost Newcastle. And I'm, I'm all for trying to win games and, and what have you. But I think you need to be a little more, a little bit more clever. But again, it goes down to the fine margins. If Isaac picks that pass to Lewis Hall, do Liverpool go up to their end? Probably not. Even if Lewis Hall puts the cross into Rosette, do Liverpool go up and, and, and win a penalty? I don't think they do. It, it is the fine margins. It is the poor decision-making that is also... Cost Newcastle United in 
in recent weeks. Um, the only problem I sort of have with that is, is again, S. Housery. Why aren't we, like, especially like when you look at games, um, the Chelsea Cup game, stuff like that, why aren't we going, why isn't Joe Linton going down? Why isn't Cher going down? You know, game management, as the so-called big teams call it. Why, why, where's that gone? We were doing it last season. And is it confidence? Is that is that <clears throat> maybe? Uh, but yeah, and confidence breeds an attitude, a culture, and yeah, that that could be something that's lacking a little bit, which is bound to happen when you're not winning every week like we were last season. Um, it's bound to have something to do with it. Um, but it takes a, a character, a personality that I think Joe Linton can epitomise at times. I thought he was he was one of the few plus points last night. I thought he was fantastic. Um, but yeah, I I think I think it's I think it's the the kind of attitude's been the life's been sucked out of him a little bit, um, and that's what's lacking. Steve says the penalty was great for how, as that is what everyone is talking about, and not another shambolic performance. Do you agree? I can see his point. I take his point. Um, I. Th- think the Forest and Luton performances were more of a concern than last night's, is what I will say. Oh, I, I, I agree. I agree. I mean, we I mentioned at the start about him, Eddie Howe, saying oh, I didn't think we were that open and he's clearly not a fan of expected goals uh, and, and all that. But do you, do you think he has to start saying different things to a degree after performances like this, the run of form he's on, does he need to start actually using the excuse of injuries a bit more? Does he need? To, I mean, and that has started to creep in. He mentioned it last night in his in his press conference, and that he that you know about about the injuries and the, the run of games that Newcastle have had. Does he need to be more honest about the fact that you know the performances have just been very poor defensively, or do you agree with him? Maybe trying to paint a little bit of a, a different picture. I mean, we don't know what he's saying privately. It, it's, it's likely to be much different than what he's saying publicly, but the, the fans need to start seeing anyhow, maybe just admitting that he knows, you know, defensively, they've been pretty shocking and things need to improve. And he has, in, in all honesty, done that to a certain degree. But I don't know. Do, do you think we need to see hear more of that? I think he sounded um, highly irritated about the way we, we played defensively last night. In his post-match uh, interviews, um, <clears throat> I think the time for the injury excuse has probably come and gone. To be honest, especially when we've only got three more games this whole month, um, so I think the time has come and gone for that. If you were going to use that as an excuse, you would have um, you would have needed to to mention that more around October, November, when we were playing every three days. Um, yeah, something's maybe maybe. I mean, we haven't really spoke about maybe the fact that we're missing Nick Pope. That there's a lack of cohesion still in the back, in the back line. Um, maybe he's that good of an organizer and a, and a talker. Whilst Dubravka, I know Dubravka's had a bit of stick, but the, I didn't want to see him dropped for Carius, for example. I don't see what that would have achieved one bit because mm. you're then asking a guy that's played even less football than Dubravka to step up. Well, that was the next topic I was going to kind of finish on was was Martin Dubravka and his performance last night. Some very good saves, some questionable 
parries, which he got lucky with. But overall, Newcastle have him to thank for that result not being much, much worse. I think you're 100% correct. He clearly can't organise the defence like Nick Pope can. And I think actually Nick Pope probably didn't, doesn't get enough credit. I certainly wasn't having him down as the, the man who shouts and hollers, but clearly you know, his voice looks like it, it, it's being the steady hand which has backed up that defence. Uh, I, I don't think Dubravka's helped by the fact he's not good come, coming off his line. Really, you know, he's not confident. Um, and that is a big, big worry. Do you think his performance last night, though, Sam, bit of luck involved in it, does that put a bed the argument that Newcastle need to go out and sign it at goalkeeper this January? The only goalkeeper you can sign is De Gea because you can't afford to loan one. But there's no point in loaning one and, there's, and we can't afford to buy a proper good one. So... That's the only question. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't know at this point. Um, at the start, I was, I was all for giving Dubravka a chance. Um, if we don't sign a goalkeeper, it's, it's not going to be, it's not going to keep me up at night. Um, if it's, 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 it's a tricky one. I think there are, there are other areas of the squad that need prioritising. Um, than than goalkeeper, I really do. But like, I, I cannot argue against your points that you know we are missing Pope. Um, Dubravka obviously isn't what he was, and he's he's been a bit shaky here and there. But last night he was superb. Um, and, you know, things that are happening in the back four in front of him aren't aren't helping Dubravka one bit. Um, but that that just for me there there are. So much more areas of that squad that need prioritising over a goalkeeper. You got Jordy saying Dubravka isn't being held by a defence that is obviously lacking confidence and is unsettled. Goalkeeper isn't a problem for me. Fully confident in Dubravka. I agree. There's other areas of of the the pitch that need strengthening. But we go back to the point we made earlier in the show. FFP constraints. Look, let's be realistic, Sam. If it is only one signing coming in this January, where where is the priority for you? I've started calling it FFFP. Um, I'll let you decide, work out what the other F stands for. Um, right, I'm sorry, but, but I, I, I want a winger in. I really, really do. I want a winger in. A winger um, ahead of a defensive midfielder? Yep. I don't see the point in bringing in Calvin Phillips for six months for seven and a half million pounds when the actual players we've got available in centre mid, there's nothing wrong with. It's a tactical situation that we've got that, that, that that's missing. Um, <clears throat> the actual players on paper that we've got, I'm more than comfortable with. Whereas the players that we've got on the wings, i.e. Almiron playing every game, I'm not comfortable with. So that's that's what my priority is. But I would put to you a, a right winger coming in, and let's say Newcastle managed to find twenty five million down the back of the sofa, and that's what they spend on a on a right winger. Would then that money not be actually better spent on a defensive midfielder, like a proper out and out defensive midfielder, not a seven point five million pound loan fee for Calvin Phillips, who's likely to go back to City in in, in the summer? I'm talking about actually spending whatever money you'd spend on your priority position on a defensive midfielder where they're clearly lacking at the moment. Such as? 
Well, I mean, that's obviously the million dollar question. I don't Back know. I, I give you names. I told you I want Takakubo from Sociedad. Hit me with a I, defensive mil, midfielder. I'll be honest, Sam, I've never heard of that player. I mean, that could just be you making that name up. Real Sociedad, you know, they do play in the Champions League. Yes, I'm, I'm, I'm joking. I'm talking about the player. I'm a real Sociedad. I don't know which player you'd bring in for 25 million in terms of a defensive midfielder. I mean, I, I mean, obviously, there's. Polina is going to cost you sixty odd million. He would be, I think, he would be fantastic as a, is that deep lying midfielder. I don't know. I haven't got a name to get to give out. Do you know who we actually could have done with? Tyler Adams. No, and it, get in the bin. <laughs> you, no, and no, he he played last night. Played last. Oh, um, Endo. Correct. And then he only cost eleven, twelve million or something. I don't even think I don't even think it was that much. So there is there is bargains out there. Dan Ashworth has to go and earn his money because he's been able to have the pick of pretty much whatever he wanted at the moment. He needs to find these bargain signings that he found for Brighton. He needs to go and do that for Newcastle. We've got Janazeb uh, saying left footed winger for him. Jordy saying as much as I love Miggy, I agree with Sam. A proper right winger would be nice. Roger also agrees with you as well, Sam. So um, everyone's backing you. Um, Stu says, unfortunately, we need to improve many key areas. So finding that untapped talent is presumably the only way around FFP. I, I guess you've also got Mincer as well to come back, potentially, if they can sort out something in January. But if not, coming back in the summer, which kind of lends itself to your argument about, you know, Tanar will be back next season. So, you know, given, I mean, does Mincer not get a look in for you? That position? No, I know, I, he's. I know he's. Whilst he's doing well at Feyenoord, it's not like he's starting every game every week. So um, let him keep on doing what he's doing, and let him keep progressing it on out on loan. I don't think there's any need to to bring him back and rush him in and, and put all that weight on his shoulders. So young in his career, um, I, I'd rather get us see us get a proven. Um, Quality that can that can rotate with me. I've no, I've no real issue with Almoran, but I don't want him starting every game. He can't do it. He's not good enough. He blows hot and cold, so he 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 cannot be starting every game willy nilly because you're just not going to get that quality off him on a consistent basis. Lewis Miley's handled the pressure right for a young man. I'm sure Minsa could could do it as well if he comes back. <sighs> But again, yeah, but you you you're clutching at straws, really, aren't you? Um, as uh, a few point, people have pointed out, he'll be off to the African Cup of Nations as well. But want to certainly watch in the future. Final question, then, Sam, before we finish with some trivia. Obviously, lots of talk about Dan Ashworth and Manchester United, uh, given uh, the twenty five percent buyout from Sir Jim Ratcliffe. He's you know good pals with um, the chap who's going to be kind of running the show or of that percentage anyway. Do you fear Dan Ashworth going to Manchester United? Um, yeah, I wouldn't say, do I fear it? I think it's a real possibility. Um, Manchester United at the moment, they still just about are clinging on to that kind of lofty reputation of still having, you know, being one of the biggest jobs in football. Um, 
I think it'd probably be a mistake for Ashworth if he if he does go. But if he does, I don't think it's the end of the world. But, you know, there's plenty of more than capable director of footballers, uh, director of football out there uh, than Dan Ashworth. Um, it, but it would be it would be a shame. It would really be a shame. Um, let's just if he does go, let's let's make sure he sees the job through uh, through January first. But. I think it'd be a bad move. I wouldn't be touching Manchester United with a barge pole. Yeah, I mean, every time Newcastle United seem to mess up and lose a game, there's some uh, appreciation for Manchester United following down the same path and always seeming to be the circus club ahead of Newcastle, which is which is nice and refreshing. Um, They're still above us, though. They are. They are somehow. I, we've got to thank teams like, you know, kind of like Spurs as well and stuff. like. There, there just seems to be teams losing games. Of the top kind of three and four away, um, but yeah, it's amazing Newcastle are still within a few points of even Europa League qualification, really. Yeah. So uh, we have to hope, in addition in January, players back in February and they finish the season um, really, really well. That's what I'm holding on to. Would you like some trivia to finish off? Always. Right. Always. So, as we know, sadly, Callum Wilson injured again. He's going to miss at least the next two games. I want you to list in order from, well, I'll give you the option. You can either go from bottom to top or top to bottom, but I want you to list in order the number of games each Newcastle United number nine has played from Callum Wilson back to Andy Cole, not including Alan Shearer because obviously he tops the list at 405 games as Newcastle's number nine. I want you to go... From below Alan Shearer, either to to, to 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 the bottom, or from the bottom up to Alan Shearer, which which way are you going to go? I've no idea. I mean, I, can I, do I do I have to go in an order? Well, I mean, it would make it more fun. I mean, would it? It would. Would, it? You would. You don't have to. You can just shout names out and hope that you get it right. That's that's where I'm kind of leaning towards at the moment. So Premier League Newcastle Premier League number nines and how many appearances no, because because one played quite a lot as number nine in the championship, we've included that person in it. So um Oh was, so Dwight Gale. Yes. Okay. So Shearer at top at four four or five. Let, let, let's do it an easy way. Who comes in at second do you think? So, so like... can I, no, can I just ask a, a question that is really splitting hairs? Are we counting Wilson's games when he was number 13? No. Uh, sorry, yes, so the player who had the number nine, yes. Well, that changes a lot then, doesn't it? <sighs> so if we're counting Wilson's games as number 13, does that mean we can count Muto's games as number 13? No, okay. Um, what that confused me. What? what? Yoshinori Muto was number thirteen before Callum Wilson, wasn't yes, he? Yes, yes, but we're not talking about that. We're talking about Newcastle number nines. Don't talk about Muto enough on this podcast. Um, right. Okay, second, I think it will be Wilson then. No. It was Andy Cole? No. It, it, it's the this player. Oh, it's a... not going to be Martins, is it? No. It's not. 130 appearances. It's number nine. 
You look positively confused. Would you like to give Should I just give you who's second in this list? No. To start you off. Yeah, go on then. Papi Assisi. Oh, get off. So Alan Shearer, four or five. Papi Assisi is second, 130. Then you're down into number three. Would you like the number? Yes. One or four. And there was two in it to the next one down. So this person has 104. Next one has one or two. Have I, have I mentioned them already? Yes. So Cole and Wilson. No. Wilson is number four, but you're missing number three. So is it Dwight Gale? Because we're counting the games in the championship. No. Oh, Martins then. Martins. So Martins is third on 104. Callum, Callum Wilson. Remember when I did the Christmas Quizmas and how good my questions were? This is a brilliant question. You're just rubbish at answering it. So Shearer, 4 5. Uh, next up, Papi CC, 1 3 0. Then Martins on 104. Then Callum Wilson on 102. Next in the list? Cole. Andy Cole, 84. Next in the list? Gale. No. 80 times this person wore the number nine shirt. 80. 80 in all competitions. Oh, in all competitions. If my maths is correct via Wikipedia. Well, it can't be Celez because he only had it for the one season. Oh, or are you counting Celez's season as number 10 as well? No, I'm counting Celez's season as number nine, as stated at the top of the trivia. Well, no, because you were counting Dwight Gale in the championship and you were counting Wilson as number 13. No, you, no, sorry, I thought you meant number 13 and then who played as number nine during that time. You confused me with your question. Only number nines from... She- this question is rubbish. No, I just don't think you understand it. Right, Shearer, Cissé, Martins, Wilson, Cool. Next person on 80. <coughs> Would you just like the name? Give me an era. He's still at the club. What, Joe Linton? Joe Linton. So you... Oh, okay, whatever. I... Uh, next in the list is the man you've mentioned quite a few times in this trivia question. Dwight Gale. Yeah, 67. Then next in the list, do you want to have a guess? 44. Celez. Yeah, and then to round things off is a man. Carol. Well, no. What do you mean, well, he... no? Well, because he only played like 11 times. So this person I've uh, gone down to his 33 times was on loan bullet head out against Bournemouth oh Rondon Rondon and I just didn't include Carol because it was like 11 times or something so there you go what are the Sam... comments saying about that question uh, uh, do they think I was being thick or was it a rubbish question I think it was a brilliant question you just didn't understand it and I couldn't have explained it any more clearly to be honest okay. Um, okay. Maybe, maybe we go to the VAR uh, if we have a VAR trivia 
Um, but there you go. The list of players to have wore the number nine from Callum Wilson down to Andy Cole minus Andy Carroll. Um, and Sam didn't do very well at all. I hope you guys enjoyed everything as Black and White Podcast. Thank you very much for tuning in. All that remains to be done, Sam, in a sentence or so. Are you looking forward to Saturday and Newcastle versus Sunderland in the FA Cup? Yes, I think we win, and we win handsomely. Ooh, look at that. We'll finish the show on a bit of positivity. I'm liking it. I'm so back in Eddie Howe, and I'm back in this team because, you know, we've got it. So I hope he gets us out of it. And what better way to do it than at the stadium of, uh, you know. Light. It's a family show. Uh, thank you, Sam, for popping on to the podcast and filling in for Aaron Stokes. To you guys watching and listening, thank you as always. Please hit subscribe and follow through whichever platform you're joining us through and, and leave us a written review on the podcast channel if you get the opportunity as well. Head over to chroniclelive.co.uk for all the latest Newcastle United news, including the build-up to Newcastle's trip to Sunderland in the FA Cup on Saturday afternoon. <laughs>